Welcome to Tropeful, a podcast looking at how trope influences our understanding of our texts. I'm Cantor David Reinwald. We are amidst our third season of this podcast project of mine, and while the podcast has been an off-and-on project for me, I am always excited when I have time to join you, our extended Tropeful community, and we will approach our texts always in this special way. This week we look at Parashat Noach. Before we begin our investigating and tropeful enlightenment this week, I want to wish a warm welcome to anyone who is new and joining our podcast this week. Welcome to Tropeful Torah Study. I was so honored by the response to my 10 Minutes of Torah article in partnership with the URJ and ReformJudaism.com last week, and the response has been just so exciting. Thank you for joining in, and I invite you to add your voice, insights, and questions to our pursuit of knowledge. My focus this week is a bit more pinpointed, and it centers on a single trope that I often have been drawn to in the past, especially in our early days of the Tropeful podcast about two years ago. This is the Zakaif Gadol, a trope that sounds like you are skipping down the street when you sing it Zakaif Gadol. What is important about this trope is that it stands alone. In many of the examples where it pops up in this portion, it finds itself at the beginning of verses, perhaps marking these verses as statements to key into, although I won't go as far to say that the text and other verses with more rudimentary tropes are unimportant. With this being a highly narrative portion, there are no unimportant verses while the tale of Noah is told. The Zakaif Gadol is a trope that I would classify as a quote-unquote bookmark trope, being that it stands alone. It can also find itself dividing phrases. Sometimes when it does this, it is very clear what the division of the phrases are trying to say, while at other points, it can really leave you scratching your head saying, I just don't understand what it is attempting to do. Now, I'll tell you, I enjoy the mystery of all of this, and I'll, I'm going to come back to Zakaif Gadol in just a moment. From the publicity received from my article last week, I had a really interesting discussion with a colleague of mine who challenged the notion that the trope is trying to say something. He felt that this was historically inaccurate and couldn't have been created in this manner. I will say I am far from a thinker who approaches things in black and white. I see so much gray in everything that I look at. When we approach our texts with the classic commentaries and study the Midrashim, those stories that help us understand the areas lacking in our texts, we give weight to those Midrashim as they are a very accepted and long-standing part of our tradition. However, these Midrashim are in their literal, literal sense, they're just stories that are trying to increase our level of understanding, but are in general rabbinic fabrications that bind together what we do and don't understand. There is no way to prove these midrashim, and I am not sure anyone has ever tried. I actually love that this colleague of mine has challenged me and challenged the notion that trope has something to say, for as we know through Chevruta study, through studying with a partner, it is by challenging and questioning that we lead ourselves onto new paths and are challenged to at least understand 
a varying perspective from our own. I can't completely accept that the massive trope system was established with utter disregard from the meaning of the text or it had no connection at all. I can't accept that there are major varying differences among the many communities who devise their own melodic systems with different approaches to the text and, of course, to the melody, and they did this at different times. They were often inspired by the musical environment in which this was being created. This is also a living and breathing system, which is likely still changing and varying in its use in different communities throughout the entire world. It is impacted by the skill of one who chants and those who are teaching the trope system to the next generation. It has also certainly been touched by human error, scribal errors, and the errors of the oral transmission from one person to the next. Are some of the insights we find in our texts coincidental? I am sure some of them are. But that doesn't lessen the value of what we can discover as we deepen our relationship with the text and also find connecting elements between the text and itself, something trope does so well. So I so encourage you to challenge the text, challenge the trope, and challenge this process of uncovering insights in the text. You will come away with much more than what you began with. And... If you have comments, questions, or insights to share, please be in contact with me. You can find the various ways to connect with me via the podcast website at tropeful.net. And now back to Parashat Noach and our Zakev Gadol. Actually, let's go to the end of last week's portion. One of the funny things about the ends of so many Torah portions, and I see this so often teaching the Moftir portion to our B'nai Mitzvah students, is that the end often does not tie itself in so well with the majority of the portion it is concluding. More often, and this is often the case in the book of Genesis, the end actually ties the concluding portion to the next week's portion. This is certainly the case as we move from Parashat Bereshit to Parashat Noach. In chapter 5, we see the Zakef Gadol trope used on a number of names of the generations mentioned here, usually right before an age of some sort of significance is noted. Now, the age mentioned is significant as it announces the birth of the next significant generation. In chapter 5, verse 6, we see this with the name Seth, the third son of Adam, who now fathers Enosh. The verse opens with, Vahishet. Let's jump to verse 18. The same thing happens there, but now with Jared, who fathers Enoch. And it is chanted, Vahishet. In verse 28, we have the same chanting happening again, here announcing Lemech, now fathering, you got it, Noah. And finally, to end this chapter, in verse 32, we hear of Noah fathering his three sons again with the same Zakaf Gadol announcement. We will hear again of Noah's sons in the next portion, but here is our repeated trope pattern. 
Vayahi Noach. Getting the pattern? Now, of great importance is how Parashat Bereshit ends. Our very last verse, chapter 6, verse 8. There's that trusty Zakaif Gadol again, ending the entire portion. Ve'noach matzachein Adonai. But Noah, he found favor in the eyes of Adonai. And that's the end of last week's portion. As you likely know, our Torah portions can often end and begin in the middle of a chapter. These chapters do not always align themselves with the divisions of the Parshiot. They came much later in history, the chapters came much later in history, relatively unrelated to the work of the ancient rabbis prior to the chapters. Our texts have always been tied to their verse structure to each of the sentences, and have been written in scrolls with paragraph notation and paragraph indentation since the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls. You can see those for yourself if you ever see any of those scrolls. Parashat Noah is our first example of a portion that begins right after the beginning of the chapter, and it begins in chapter 6 at verse 9. Now, in my study of this portion this week, I went through all of Parashat Noah, and if my eyes are not deceiving me, I found only one moment where we see Noah's name sung on a Zakaif Gadol, this is in chapter 7, verse 6. And again, it starts the verse. Ve'noach ben sheish me'ot shana Ve'hamabul hayah ma'im al ha'aretz Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. What we can note about this verse is that once again, the Zakaif Gadol is positioned next to an age of significance, but here, no, it is not the birth of his sons. We heard that already. We actually heard about it twice, but we heard about it at the end of Parashat Bereshit with the Zakaif Gadol. Note here it is, you might guess it, it's the flood! We won't hear Noah's name again, ever chanted using the Zakaif Gadol. Is this a standout moment? Of course it is! This is the start of the flood! But what does all of this mean? Warning, this is my own Midrash. Take it or leave it, or share with me your own interpretation. But I can't just leave this sitting here. Noah was 600 years old when the flood happened. He was old. He was old in biblical standards. He had lived nearly two-thirds of his life at this point, given that we know that he died at the age of 950. Because I often think of the Zakaif Gadol as a highlighting type of trope that highlights a word or a small phrase, and we don't hear it again throughout the rest of the portion, this to me seems to say that Noah was a regular human being. This is because every other time that we will see his name, it just falls on a regular trope. It doesn't make it stand out in any way. Noah was a regular human being caught in the most extraordinary time, and he stepped up to the plate and went from regular to extraordinary 
through his actions. No one would debate that, knowing what he does. But I truly believe that the text and the trope want us to understand this fact, and just maybe we can then walk away and say, how am I going to take the regular part of me and make myself extraordinary from the very start? I hope you find your answer. Thank you once again for joining me, and as always, be tropeful.